If you have a Bible with you, um, find John chapter 6 real quick. I, uh, what, I, what I want to share with you tonight is, is not really anything that I have a big answer to at the end. Don't expect, um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, don't, don't expect to get, for me to get to the end or get finished and have some big, huge answer that I'm going to dump on you at the end and you're going to go, oh, I get it. Because that's not going to happen tonight. This is kind of one of those things where um, Scripture causes me to ask a lot of questions. And uh, I just kind of want to share with you some of my thoughts and some of the questions that I've been asking. And maybe prompt you to maybe think of some of those questions too, maybe if you haven't before. And um, you may come up with some answers. And maybe if you come up with answers that I haven't figured out yet, you can come tell me. Later, but just some things that uh, you know. I, I I talk with the youth all the time, and I reference Rich Mullins all the time, and uh, and they make fun of me for it. Uh, but one of the things that one of my favorite things Rich ever said was in talking about the Bible. Uh, he said, "You know, I don't think that we were given the scriptures so that we could prove that we were right about everything." Rich said, if we were given the scriptures, it was to prove to us that God was right, and the rest of us are just guessing. Um, and I think that's a cool way to look at scripture. I think so, sometimes we uh, open up scripture and we look at it thinking that we're going to find our nice, clean-cut answer to our question, and, and this will be our thing. And, and then sometimes that just doesn't happen, because the Bible says a lot of stuff. So, um, so tonight, I just want to um, direct you to... a. a portion that that maybe you've noticed before <clears throat> and um, maybe give you some some things that um, that it causes me to think um, John chapter six um, is a long chapter um, but I want to kind of summarize it up until we get up to a couple of verses that really kind of stuck out to me uh, this past week. Uh, John chapter 6, if you see the, the heading at the top of chapter 6, it talks about Jesus feeds the 5,000. And this is the account um, that all of us are very familiar with. Uh, there's a crowd, Scripture says, of 3,000 men, um, 5,000 men, I'm sorry. Um, most uh, historians believe that by the time you add women and children into that, it was probably more like a crowd of about 20,000 people rather than five. Um, and this crowd is coming toward Jesus and, and he turns and he sees that they're hungry and he turns to his disciples and he says, we need to go find some food to feed these people. And uh, they kind of wig out on him and they're like, Jesus, it, it would take eight months wages to feed all these people. We don't have that. Where are we going to get this kind of food? And then one of them um, says, oh, well, here's this little boy who has this, little, this lunch. Well, what's in it? Well, five little many loaves of, of bread and a couple of fish. So Jesus says, okay, and he takes it and, and performs one of, perhaps one of the most famous, uh, one of his fo- most well-known or famous miracles. And he did that on more than one occasion. Uh, multiplies this one little boy's uh, sack lunch to a point where everybody eats all they want until they're stuffed and they're, and they're saying, no more, please, I don't want any more. And they collect all the leftovers, and there are 12 baskets full of leftovers. And, and I love that. That's just awesome. And um, so the crowd, 
Um, maybe sometimes when we read this story, we focus on Jesus and we focus on the disciples. But tonight I want us to look more at the crowd um, that was there for that. Their reaction to this is um, they're just completely amazed and enamored by what Jesus has done. Um, they've gotten a free meal out of it, and it was a good one. And another thought that, that I had this week um, was that that was probably the best bread and the best fish that those people had ever put in their mouth. I mean, have you ever thought about, he didn't just multiply it, but it was, it was Jesus himself multiplying this food. And so I'm thinking that people were walking away from that going, man, did you eat that bread? That's the, that's the most amazing bread I've ever had in my life. And or that, that fish that went with it, it just all went together. I've never tasted anything like that ever. Um, I don't think Jesus did, you know, cheesy food. I think when he blessed it and multiplied it, he blessed it and it was amazing. It was like the best bread and fish these people ever put in their mouth. And so they're, uh, they're excited about this. And, and so scripture says that they were going to come and, and take Jesus. They, they started, um, they got excited and they started remembering some Old Testament prophecies. And they were like, you know, the prophet said there was going to be a man like this who was going to be our king. So this guy must be it. So let's go get him and take him. And like, let's literally, you know mob this guy and get him and carry him and make him our king. And Jesus knew that they were going to be doing that. And he knew that wasn't the plan. He knew that wasn't part of what was supposed to happen. And so he retreated and he, he left. He got away from him and went off on a mountain uh, by himself to be alone with God. Quiet place. Um, and so in the meantime, these people are still here and they're probably still hanging out talking about, man, did you eat that food? It was amazing food. I'm still full from all that food. And the disciples... Um, get in a boat and they go across the, they decide they're going to go across the lake. Well, during the night, they hit a storm. It's stormy. Jesus comes and meets them on the water and they see him. They get him in the boat. They, they go across. And uh, another thing that's interesting, not part of the sermon, but it says that at once when Jesus got in the boat with them, it says like they immediately were where they were supposed to be. And it's not like he, it doesn't say that he got, he got in the boat with them and then they traveled for hours and hours and got to where it was. The way scripture reads, it says that he got in the boat and boom, they were on the other side. And so but there's still this crowd. And they come back the next day after, you know, night has passed. And they come back the next day and they're looking for Jesus. And they come back to the same place where he did the bread and the fish and they're looking for him and he's not there. And some people were like, well, you remember he went off by himself. Well, his disciples got in the boat and they went out. And so they start looking for him. And the crowd begins to search because they want to find this man named Jesus because he did this amazing thing with the food yesterday. Maybe if we show up, he'll do the same thing today. So they're looking for him. And, and they search and they, go, uh, and, and they go all the way. They're so diligent in their search, they go all the way around. And they get to the other side of the, of the lake where they find... Um, Jesus and the disciples, and they're kind of confused because they were like, you guys didn't leave together. How come we see you ending up together and you're both in this boat? And we're kind of confused. And um, so that's sort of the, uh, a, you know, a summary of chapter 6 until we get to verse 25 um, in chapter 6. And um, so they find Jesus. The crowd is looking for him after this amazing miracle he's done. And they find him. And verse 25 says, When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, 
when did you get here? And they're kind of like saying, where have you been? <laughs> We've been looking for you. Um, when, how long have you been here? Because we were looking over here, but we finally found you. Where, where have you been? And then Jesus in verse 26 and 27 says to them, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Pray with me for a moment. Father, we... uh, Anytime we open your word, we want it to speak, and we want it to speak truth, and we want it to, uh, we want our spirits to identify with the Holy Spirit to know that, that the way we read Scripture is truth. And so, um, tonight, just may your Holy Spirit teach us more than anyone. God, me and, and on my own, I have nothing to teach anybody, uh, but your Holy Spirit. Um, can teach us so much and unfold such truth to us. And we ask him to do that in our hearts tonight. Thank you for this time and thank you for your word that we can even be together and read it to have the revelation of a, of a holy, righteous God between the two covers of a book that we can read anytime we want uh, really should blow our minds. So we, we're humbled by your word. And we just ask you to enlighten us during this time tonight. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus does an interesting thing here. Um, these people think they know why they're following after him. But then he's very quick here to, to uh, kind of correct them. Or maybe not to correct them, but to tell them something that maybe they haven't thought about before. And they've, they've been on this diligent search for over the past, you know, 12 hours or so. And, um, and they're like, where have you been? We've been looking for you. And Jesus says, you know what? You, you haven't been looking for me because you saw a miracle from God. You're looking for me because you like my bread and you like my fish. And you're hoping I'll give you some more. And he says, but the bread and the fish and the food that I have inside of me that I really want to give you, um, that's not what you're asking for. That's what I want to give you. But you're not, for whatever reason, you're not there yet. I know you think the whole bread and fish multiplying thing that I just did was amazing. And I know that's why you're coming to me right now. But I've got something way better to give you than to just make more bread and make more fish and give you your lunch this afternoon. I've got something that will change your life for eternity. But right now you just don't get it. And so if you read on the rest of the chapter, they ask him more questions that just clarifies more of the fact that they don't really understand. And um, Jesus says, what I did back there on the other side of the lake was not about giving you your lunch. It was about giving you life. Um, 
They weren't coming to Jesus because they believed what he was teaching or what he stood for. They were coming because they liked what he had to offer. Um, who doesn't like Happy Meals? Okay, good. And that's what I think. Every, pretty much every person that's ever lived in the era of, of Ray Kroc and McDonald's has had a Happy Meal. Everybody likes Happy Meals. Happy Meals are great. And what's one of the most fun things to get in a Happy Meal? The toy. Of course. Uh, and everybody, uh, you hit a transition phase in your life as a kid um, to where a Happy Meal goes from um, you being excited because of the toy to being excited because of the food. <laughs> and I don't really know where the, where the turning point is there. Uh, but I know with I know with my boys, um, we eat at McDonald's all the time, and I have to confess that I'm one of the adults who like McDonald's. I go to McDonald's on my own when nobody else is with me. I don't have to have my kids to go to Mickey D's. I'm I'm digging. I like double cheeseburgers, and I like I like fillet of fish. Does anybody else like fillet of fish? I know a lot of people go, Oh my gosh, that's the nastiest sandwich in the world. I'm I love it. I'll, I'll eat one. Uh, I'll eat a double one. It, it doesn't matter to me. But I love McDonald's. And uh, so sometimes when the kids are piping out, hey, we want to go to McDonald's, I'm like, okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the whole sympathetic dad thing, like, oh, okay, since that's where y'all want to go, that's where we'll take you inside. I'm going, no, that's all right with me. I'm, I like that. Uh, I think they put addictive chemicals in their food to make people want to eat it. Uh, that's just a I, think, I really do. I think there's some secret society somewhere in McDonald's that puts, they have some sort of addictive thing, especially the French fries. There's something in those French fries to, to make them the greatest in the world. But um, I've noticed that, that my kids, and I remember I did it when I was a kid, um, they're more excited about a Happy Meal uh, based on what toy's in it. And most of the time, McDonald's now will theme their toys after some movie that's out. And so if it's some movie they're familiar with and there's a toy from that movie, then they're like, oh, I want to go. I've got to go to McDonald's. And have any of y'all ever been guilty like me? I'll confess of being one of those people that go through McDonald's and get Happy Meals as adults because you want to try to collect all the toys. Like there's, there's a collection of like four different toys and you're, and you're kind of a nerd when it comes to collecting stuff. So you're like, I'm going to go through and try to get all four of them. And uh, I'm the, I guess I'm the only one that does that. Anyway, um, I get so, uh, as a parent now, I find myself getting frustrated because I want my kids to eat. But we'll, uh, and, and most of the time we're drive through McDonald's people. We're, we're not going and sit down. So we'll drive through and get our, get our meals and go home with it. Uh, Sunday nights after church, sometimes that's our deal. We go hit the drive-thru, go home, eat. And, um, and I'll sit down with my kids, but the first thing they want out of the box is not the burger, not the nuggets, not the fries. It's the toy. They want the toy. And I honestly think that if I took the toy out of the box and gave them the toy and I ate their food, they wouldn't even notice. They would be like, oh, look at this toy. And you know what? I, I, I don't mean to, like, really, because I'm, I'm, I'm where y'all are at, okay? I know McDonald's toys are cool. But when you compare McDonald's toys to the other stuff that you have at your house and the other stuff that, that your parents get you, McDonald's toys are just plastic junk. I mean, 
are any of your parents with me? You're like, oh my gosh, how many of these things do I find around my house? Up under the couch and in the, under the sofa. And, and oh, just, uh, I, I'm almost to the point now when I find one, I just chunk it. I just throw it away. I, I don't even want it. Because it's just, it's, it's nothing. There's a reason they get it. There's a reason you get it for free, okay? <laughs> There's a reason that those things are free. Because they're, they have no value whatsoever. They're just a little... And sometimes they don't even do anything. Like you want it to at least light up or, or move or have some kind of switch on it where the arms will... Do, sometimes they don't even do that. It's just a piece of plastic. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? But, but you get so excited over the toy... But a Happy Meal, the purpose of a Happy Meal is not to get you a toy. The purpose of the Happy Meal is to feed you. you buy, your parents buy you Happy Meals because they want you to eat food. Because they want you to fill your stomachs. Not because they want to buy you a toy. If they want to buy you a toy, they'll take you to Toys R Us and get you something good. Okay? But when we get a Happy Meal, Happy Meals to eat food. If you can go with me in that thought process, I think we, ha- we live in a world full of people who look at church like they look at the Happy Meal toy. There's, there's something way more that we want to offer. There's something way better and more significant that the experience of church is supposed to be about. But they're happy just to come and get the toy. That's what these people were doing. This is kind of what's happening in this story. Jesus is about offering them the kingdom and eternal life. And all they want is some bread and some fish. And they're happy with it. And as long as Jesus keeps shelling out bread and fish, they're going to keep following him around. And Jesus knows that. And if Jesus' job and his calling and mission was to have a big crowd follow him all the time, then he would have just kept multiplying bread and fish all over the place. He would have just kept healing people. He would have just kept doing all these miracles that everybody said, oh, won't you do one of these miracles? And he does it. If he wanted to draw a crowd, Jesus could draw a crowd. But then when the crowd would come together, he would be real with them and say, look, I know you're amazed by what I've just done, but what I just did is not what I've come to do. I didn't come to earth to make bread and fish. I came to earth to save people's lives. And if you're interested in that, then you need to hang around some more. And and and, and, and in some cases, he wasn't very shy about saying, you know, if you're not into what the kingdom is about, it's okay for you to leave. It's okay for you to go home. Because uh, I'm not going to make bread and fish every day. That's not going to be my thing. Now, if you want to, if you want to invest in what I am about, then then that's what we're doing. And so I, I've been in a place lately as as a youth pastor and our and our staff. We've even been having conversations lately about um, the culture that we live in. Church, where church fits in culture today, is very different than where the way church fit into culture uh, ten, twenty, thirty years ago. And it's difficult to figure out. And I guess in reading this story, I kind of picture this world of people who are looking for faith based on what they see in the front window. 
and not what's on the inside. Have you ever been shopping or been at a mall and you see the front window of a store and you go, wow, uh, that looks like a place I want to go into. And you go in and you get inside and there's nothing there that you want. I feel like we're, we're in a world, because we're consumers and we live in a world of consumers. And so we've been trained as, as Americans uh, to go after uh, what looks best and what looks attractive. And so the church is in the middle of this. And we're kind of trying to figure out this battle of here's who we are, but this is what people want. And so how are we going to try to make who we are fit what people want so people will come, but maybe what people want isn't what we are? And what do we do when that happens? And just lots of, lots of questions like that. And I told you tonight, I warned you, I'm going to be asking a lot more questions probably than I'm going to be giving you answers. Um, but there were some things about this story. And so I started to think about, well, how does Jesus relate to this crowd of people? Because that's all they're doing. They're just coming around looking for whatever the, whatever the thing is that Jesus wants, that Jesus is handing out. And that's what they're interested in. And sometimes we as church people, uh, I think, can become uh, kind of jaded. And we think the answer to that is, well, if they don't like what we have, then they can go somewhere else. Isn't that what we say? Kind of like, you know, if this crowd of people or this person or these, this demographic of our culture doesn't like who we are, then tough. They can go somewhere else. And I'll be honest to say sometimes I, I've had that perspective. But then when I look at this story, Jesus didn't turn these people away. He didn't tell them all to go home. He didn't say, well, I know you like the bread and the fish. That's, there's something beyond the bread and fish. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't tell them to go home. But later in the story, it says that a lot of them did because they figured out they weren't going to get their lunch that day. And so they turned around and left. But I have to believe that there were some people who, who were intrigued by what he had to say and they stuck around and they wanted to hear and listen. He didn't cease to, to meet their needs. Um, when we, I, I know that our church is in a phase where we're beginning to explore, um, you know, being obedient to things that God calls us to do in Scripture um, as far as taking care of people and meeting their needs. And sometimes it's difficult for us to meet somebody's needs if we think that we're not going to get anything in return from them. You know, maybe it's, it's easy for us if, if we uh, help somebody pay a bill or we give them some clothes or we feed them then we kind of expect them to show up at church or we expect them to act like we do. And, and I don't really see Jesus doing that here. Jesus didn't stop performing miracles just because there were people who were only interested in the miracles. He still did it because it was part of the plan of revealing the kingdom. And any of the miracles that Jesus did, he did for the purpose of bringing glory to God bringing glory to the Father, and the Father would then reflect that glory onto him as his son, and people would see that, and Jesus said, I will draw all men unto myself. There's not really, if you're trying to figure out in your head right now, well, do we give the crowds what they want or do we not? And uh, I, I, I don't know. I think sometimes you do, and maybe sometimes you don't. If the crowd's expectations are unrealistic, um, 
but here's the thing that here's the, let's transition to something different. What does McDonald's do if it's having if if it's having trouble getting the kids to buy into the food of the Happy Meal? Then they make all their advertising about the toy, right? You focus on the toy. You talk about the toy. There's very few Happy Meal commercials that talk about how great the burgers are and how great the fries are, and they're they're awesome. They're great, and that's the purpose of the meal. Uh, but when they when they want to sell it, they start talking about the toy, and they put the toy on the outside of the box, and the theme, and the puzzles, and the jokes, and all that stuff's on the outside of the box. And there's this toy in there. McDonald's doesn't make Happy Meals to sell toys. They make Happy Meals to sell food. God didn't establish the church so that all men would be drawn to church. Let me say that again. God didn't establish the church so that everybody could be drawn to the church. If we just draw a bunch of people to church, we haven't really done a whole lot for the kingdom. And you say, well, church is a good place. Yeah, church is a good place, but church is not salvation. Church is not abundant life. Church is not transformation. Uh, Church is not daily walking with Christ. Church is church. There's a problem that we have, and Tim talked about that very plainly this morning. And he described it and explained it. And he couldn't have explained it any better of what the problem of humanity is. This is the problem that we face. Church isn't the answer to that problem. If, if people can go to heaven just by coming to church, let's, let's do whatever. But this is what I'm afraid of. You and I both know people who think they're going to go to heaven because they come to church, right? So how did that end up that way? How did we end up with a world full of people and, and maybe a churches full of people who think that they're good with God and they're going to go to heaven because they come to church? And we all kind of sit together in a discussion like this and go, well, that's dumb, I don't know why people think coming to church is what's going to make them right with God. We all know better than that. Well, if they think coming to church is going to get them right with God, they had to get that message somewhere. And what I'm wondering is how much of that message are we responsible for? How much are we responsible for the fact that people believe that just coming to church is what gets them in the kingdom when it really doesn't? Think about the course of your day and think about the people that you talk to when it comes to spiritual things. If you want to talk about spiritual things, what is the easiest thing to talk about to somebody? Church. And it's not that hard to talk about church. Because we love our church. It's, it, we, we love what Kevin does as he leads us in worship. We like the music. We like the way it looks on the inside. We, we're... Uh, we like the people that we come to church with. We like what we do. We like our Sunday school class. We like the people in there. We like our church. But the Great Commission was not go and tell people about church. I think maybe so many people outside the church think that church is the thing because when we talk about being close to God, the thing we talk about is church. 
And maybe what we've done is that we've made the Happy Meal all about the toy and not about the food. But God didn't create the church so that he could say, hey, I want you to bring people to church. He created the church to be the expression of his kingdom so you could go out and say there is life beyond this life. And if you come to this place, we're going to tell you about life and we want you to be a part of this life. And God is going to give you life and it's way bigger than church. But if we talk about... we. When's the last time when you talked to somebody, you didn't talk about church, but you talked about Christ? When's the last time I sat down across from the table with somebody and said, let me tell you how Christ is changing me. And I can tell you how he's using my church to do that, but it ain't my church that's changing me. It's not my church that's giving me abundant life and, and transforming me into the image of God. It's Christ. But we... But we like church, and, and, and I, just as much as anybody, get wrapped up into that. And then if there are things about church that we don't like, then we see other people who are doing stuff that maybe we do like and go, oh, well, that, that, I like that church. And, so, and that's why we have this culture of people that are just going from church to church to church to church because I think really in their minds they think eventually they're going to find a church that's just going to get them to heaven. And they're going to be right with God. And for some reason they keep going to all these churches and they're not connecting with God and they don't understand why because everybody says I should go to church, I should be good. Well, I'm coming to church and I don't get anything. And I see all these people there and they seem to get it, but I don't. But I'm in church. What's the problem? And Jesus says, it's not about the fish and the bread. It's about the life. It's not about church. It's not about how, what songs we sing and, and how we sing them and what instruments we play and all that stuff. Even though we, that, of course, people have taste, they have preferences. But that stuff isn't going to get anybody into heaven. You guys that are involved in faith, how often do you go uh, to somebody's door and you sit down and you want to talk to them about that spiritual life and they throw at you, well, this is where I go. Oh, I go to church. And they say it to you in a tone that says, well, I'm okay. I'm fine because I go to church. And the whole message that we're out knocking on people's doors trying to get across to them is you're not okay just because you go to church. Church people aren't going to heaven. But there are people outside the church that think all the church people are going to heaven. So all I have to do to get right with God is be in a church. And that's just not... And maybe the reason for that is not so much their fault, but maybe it's our fault because the people inside the church, all we're ever talking about is church. We're not talking about Christ. We're talking about, oh, come hear our music and come be in my Sunday school class or come see our new thing that we have. Well, that's all good stuff. But if they come to your Sunday school class and they come to hear our worship and they come to hear the message and what a great speaker we have, that's great. But if, you, if we don't have something else to give them when they get here, we're just giving away free toys. Are you with me? I'm, I'm, uh, I hope so. The, these people outside that we talk to and we try to engage them about their spiritual life, they answer us like, well, I go to church and that's the answer. Well, church isn't the answer. But how responsible are we, the people inside the church, 
for making the people outside the church think that church is the answer? How much of that responsibility do we carry? Do we talk about church more than we talk about our pursuit of Christ? And I'm pretty sure we do. And because we spend all our time talking about church, we forget that we live in a world full of people that have been to church. They've been to church. And frankly, they don't care. Because they've been to church. And they've been to every church. Because they've been buying into this thing that church is what makes me right with God. And so they've been here. They've been to the... They've been to every denomination around. They've been to every. Uh, they've been to the ones with the with the praise bands. They've been to the ones with the big choirs. They've been to the ones uh, with the preachers behind the big wooden pulpits. And they've been to the ones uh, where the guys in shorts and a t-shirt sitting on a stool. They've been to all those, and they don't really care because there's not a whole lot that's new under the sun when it comes to that. So if our message is come to church because church is great, there's a whole group of people out there saying, you know, I've done, I've done church. And I don't, I don't need church. I don't want church. Uh, church is not it. They don't need to see more church. And they don't need to see more churches or different churches. And, and not, to, not to come down on, on church planting is, is the way the kingdom multiplies and grows and it gets into places where it needs to be. Um, but there comes to a point where what a people group need is not more churches. What they need are lives that are changed. What they need are people that have been transformed by the gospel. They, need, they don't need different churches. They need different lives. They need people who have come face to face with Christ. They've been at the foot of the cross. And the blood of Jesus has dripped over them. And they've, and they've surrendered uh, to the call of the cross, which is a call to die. And they've surrendered their life to that. And they look at you, and, it, and they don't even know whether you go to church or not, but there's something, there's something way different about you. And you're not like this person, and you're not even like this person I know that goes to church. There's this church person over here, but you're not that church person. You're different somehow. And, and then they become interested and then we begin to let them see what, what Christ in our life does. And then we allow them, and then we show them how the church is a part of that. I'm not who I am. I'm not anything that I am without the church. And for believers who think they can operate outside the church, that's just foolish, I think. These, these Lone Ranger Christians, you know them, people who say, I can follow Christ and I don't have to go to church. That's not what I'm saying here either, because that is foolish. Because Christ put the kingdom into the context of the local church. That's the only way to live out your faith is in community with other people. That's the way God established it. That's the way it happens. You don't go off and follow Christ on your own. You need each other. So Christ established the church that way. But I think what people, and we think about, and I'm in this process of like, oh, you know, Lord, what do I do different? Maybe what I need to do different is not up here. Maybe it's out there. You know, maybe it's not this, but it's this. 
And then people start noticing. Um, Colossians chapter 1. I, this, this passage, I, I'm going to end on this. And uh, let me read it to you. And then we'll close out. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, including church. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body. The what? The church. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical death through Christ's body, through physical death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope that held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Nobody needs more church. People need more of this. That's the gospel. That is the truth of the kingdom. This is what people need. And if we, and if we have to do some things different to get people to come and listen, that's good. But once they get here, bread and fish better not be all that we have for them. Let's use the bread and fish. Let's put the bread and fish out there and let people come. But when they get here, we better have some of this. I better have some of this. Because I can stand up here and talk about all this stuff. And when I go out here, if I don't have some of this, it's just all bread and fish and Happy Meal toys.